SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media. This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 51 of the Catholic Foodie. It's time to eat. That's right, folks, it is time to eat. Welcome here to the Catholic Foodie. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Uh, We've got some exciting things on the menu today. Uh, Let's see, what are we going to talk about? We've got uh, some ideas for Christmas party or Christmas dinner appetizers. And these recipes, these ideas feature oysters. So if you're into oysters, you're going to love this. Also, we have an interview, an interview with uh, Mr. Marshall Cook, who is the author of Time Management, A Catholic Approach. Uh, We're going to talk about a few Catholic foodie mentions and a possible project that's coming up for the Catholic foodie. It's all right here, the Catholic foodie, where food meets faith. not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Well, speaking of love, uh, it's always good to get feedback uh, to get feedback from from you, and once again, you know, I've, I've, I've mentioned this, hopefully, usually, uh, several times in the show, but uh, the feedback number is 985-635-4974, and I love to hear from you. I, I would love to know what's going on in your kitchen. I would love to know what's going on uh, as far as your Christmas plans, uh, any kind of dinner or party that you're throwing, uh, anything, special recipes that you have for Advent or Christmas. I want to know about those kind of things, so please give me a call, and um, you, you know, this, you just call that number and leave a message. There's no one who answers the phone. Uh, it's just a, a voice uh, message uh, service, and uh, or you can just email me at catholicfoodie at gmail.com, and don't forget to go over to catholicfoodie.com where you can put uh, comments, write comments there on the various episodes and the posts. But we do have some voice feedback today. Uh, someone called in. Let me... Let me pull this up real quick. I, I have not listened to this voice feedback yet. It came in just a little bit ago. Uh, normally, I, I listen to it beforehand, uh, but this one snuck in. We're going we're gonna to let this one go here. And uh, let's see. Let's see. I don't even know who this is from yet. Let's take a listen. Hey, Jeff. This is Dave from West Bend, Wisconsin. I was just listening to your uh, anniversary issue. Congratulations on one year as a Catholic foodie. Um, and then after I listened to your uh, your episode on my iPod, I then listened to uh, In Between Sundays with Nick and Pat, and I got a bonus uh, of the Catholic foodie on that That's one, right. too. Um, <laughs> And I'm just leaving you a little bit of feedback on something that came up in that discussion with Nick and Pat. You guys uh, were talking about something called Scrapple, which I have heard about, um, but I've never had it. But when I grew up, uh, my parents were from Cincinnati, Ohio, and we had a somewhat similar uh, dish called Gutta, or Getta, G-O-E-T-T-A, I believe wow. how they spell it. Um, you can actually buy it in the, in the supermarkets down in Cincinnati, but it's very regional there. Um, my parents, when we moved to, uh, to the Chicago area, my mom made it, and uh, she kind of standardized her recipe, and that's what I grew up on. Uh, we had it for breakfast uh, no, at least a couple of times a week. Um, but to listen to my dad talk about it, uh, when his mother made it, you never knew what you were getting. Uh, and when his brother made it, uh, my Uncle Harry, uh, you never knew what you were getting. I'm sure that kind of came from... Uh, you know, from the Depression era, from not having uh, consistent cuts of meat, and they pretty much made it with whatever they had available. But um, when my mom made it, it was, it was she pretty much standardized it. It was uh, beef and pork boiled up uh, with some onion and uh, clove and some other spices, and then uh, and then you uh, took the meat out after it boiled off the bone and ground it up, um, added steel-cut oatmeal. Um, wow. to the water, to the broth, oh, and boiled up the oatmeal in there and then add the meat back to it, and you got a very heavy, um, thick consistency of uh, of 
which we would dish out into a loaf pan and then freeze it. And then uh, over the course of, you know, you know, the next few weeks or months or whatever, you would slice it up and fry it in butter. And uh, it was just <laughs> the best thing in the world for breakfast with a couple oh, of wow. fried eggs and some rye bread toast. Ooh, awesome. But anyway, um, it was something that uh, was unique to us. If we talked to any friends in Chicago or now I'm in Wisconsin, uh, nobody's ever heard of it. It's really something that's kind of regional from Cincinnati, I believe. But I think there's other variations of it around the country, uh, like Scrapple in the East or you know, in Pennsylvania or whatever. I'm just wondering if, if um, any of your listeners or if you know of other variations of that type of dish or maybe you could talk about other dishes that are, that are very, very regional. Um, might be a, a fun topic for you. Anyway, that's it from, uh, from Wisconsin. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Oh, well, thank you so much. That was fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. Um I, I yeah, this past episode of the of In Between Sundays, I I was there with Nick and uh, Pat and we we talked about food. It was it was kind of a, a Christmas type uh holiday food show and they they had asked me to come on there and and uh ha- you know, give a few recipes and uh we we just it's always so much fun to be on in between Sundays. I, I I think I've been on the show maybe three times or something like that, um, and it's, it's just so much fun. Those two guys uh, are are awesome. Uh, they're just awesome and lots of fun. They are funny. Uh, I mean, there were a couple times this past episode. I think that's episode twenty nine, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, a couple of times this past episode where I was just, I just cracked up. I mean, I was, it was kind of one of those, you know, obnoxious kind of laughs. Just, uh, it happened a few times in the episode. I mean, just, uh, Pat said something that, <laughs> that was, it was, you just have to go listen to it. Go listen to episode 29 of In Between Sundays if you haven't done so yet. But, uh, Dave, you, you mentioned this whole, this, was it Geta, uh, Gota, Geta, uh, as a, uh, this kind of dish. Uh, which is like what? It's like a compilation or a, an amalgamation of all these different things. Uh, matter of fact, I think it was the anniversary episode. Mike Lindner had called in, and he mentioned something that they make, uh, a friend of his made, called, was it uh, uh, Thanksgiving cake or turkey cake or something like that? I can't remember the name of it right now. But they they would take all the leftovers from Thanksgiving and basically combine all this stuff and make it into a cake, like an honest-to-goodness cake. I don't think I would ever try it, but <laughs> I'd be interested in seeing what it looked like. Um, anyway, so it, it does seem like they have, uh, I guess, different um, ethnic or cultural, uh, local type of recipes like this that uh, that brings different leftovers, different things together. Uh, you know, you kind of put me on the spot here. Uh, nothing immediately comes to mind here, um, I mean, I, I, I guess in a way you can think of gumbo to some degree uh, is, is one of those kind of things. You know, and there's lots of different soups and gumbos and, and stews that uh, today they are very uh, specific. If you're talking about a chicken and andouille gumbo, uh, it, it, there's, it, it refers to something very specific. If you're referring to a seafood gumbo... It's something that's pretty much specific. It's it's um, a unified sort of a recipe with variations here and there, uh, but that's not necessarily how it was in the beginning. I mean, what would you put in a gumbo? Whatever you can get, you know, whatever you could get, that's what went into it. Uh, and I, I think that gumbo came about because it was a way of putting things together because you needed to eat. I mean, gumbo is a very old dish. You know, it's been around for a long time in these parts. And uh, it, it was just something where everything was thrown in the pot. Uh, roux probably came about simply to, uh, to, to give an extra thickness and uh, a kind of a nutty flavor and maybe a, a, a color uh, to add some color, a darkening agent, I guess you'd call it, uh, there in the, um, in the stew and the soup as well. Um, but probably to thicken it up, I mean, it's flour and oil. So I don't know. I guess gumbo would be something like that. I can't really think of anything else off the top of my head, although I'm sure that we have something like that. Uh, I, t- I tell you what, the I love fried food, and I know it's terrible for you, but the scrapple thing and what you just mentioned is kind of tempting. I mean, in, in a way, it sounds kind of gross, but it's kind of tempting because it's fried, and it just sounds like you got this 
awful, greasy thing already that's just not good for you, and then you fry it again, and man, it's got to be good. So uh, you, you've kind of got my curiosity here, and what I think I might do, if I can pull it up real fast, I'm going to get this audio from the last episode of In Between Sundays and let you hear just this segment on scrapples. I'm going to find that real quick. Okay, I found this clip here uh, from In Between Sundays. You talk about uh, funny, so let's hear about Scrapple. It's oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's ghetto fabulous. That's <laughs> uh, what it is. I don't know about that. Okay, actually, my favorite thing. This is something that we eat on uh, on Sunday mor- or, or Christmas Day. And this is called Scrapple. Have you guys ever heard of this stuff? Well, Pat, you know, you have. But Jeff, have you ever heard of this stuff? Never heard of that. Okay, so this is like. It is the best stuff you'll ever find, and it's like only available in Philadelphia, so we have to like have it imported to Kansas City so we can have this. But apparently, it's like some sort of like Pennsylvania Dutch tradition where, and this kind of sounds a little gross, but it's like whatever you have left over from like making anything else involving ham, you kind of just kind of ground this all up, make it into a bit of a loaf and fry it in a pan. <laughs> that sounds so gross, but it is it is so delicious I'm, I'm looking at the wikipedia entry says it's traditionally a mush of pork scraps and trimmings combined with cornmeal flour and often buckwheat flour and spices <laughs> and then i'm going to add this into wikipedia it says it, it is possibly the most amazing dish you'll ever eat i'm, I'm gonna add that right now so basically it's like a like a meat flan <laughs> that's disgusting <laughs> that's like the nastiest thing you've ever said <laughs> <laughs> and oh there goes our listeners. And you should not gnaw on the kitty. And the <laughs> oh my God. and now they just paused their iPod and actually just threw their iPod in the trash. All right. Oh my goodness, that was so much fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Pat. Pat threw that uh, that little phrase in there, meat flan, and I tell you what, that just conjured up so many images that I just <laughs> I just couldn't uh, couldn't believe it. So um, anyway, it was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. And if you have not listened to In Between Sundays, episode 29, you need to go back and do that. It was about holidays and food, and, and we had a ball. So please go and take a listen. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Stop it. What? Daddy, it's, it's not Christmas yet. It's, it's still Advent. We forgot again. It's so easy to forget Advent. It's so easy because on October 31st, as soon as the Halloween decorations are out of the stores, Christmas decorations are in, they pipe in the carols, and it's all joy and Christmas spirits. Not only that, our neighbors put up their Christmas tree on November 7th. I thought they were members of some obscure Eastern Orthodox sect that celebrates Christmas in November. All this commercial, non-stop, two-month celebration of Christmas has completely pushed out any sense of preparation for the joyous season of Christmas and all the wonderful traditions that go with Advent. Here at the Catholic New Media Roundup, we want to do something about that. Every day in December at catholicroundup.com, come and join us for our Catholic New Media Advent calendar. Each day, a different Catholic New Media celebrity will be preparing some sort of goodie to help us put Advent back in December and to help us have a sense of preparing for the coming of our Lord Jesus. Join us at catholicroundup.com. Okay, how about some food? You want to talk about a little food right now? Uh, Getting hungry? I have not eaten yet today. I can't believe that. I drank some coffee this morning. I drank a lot of coffee this morning, actually, and uh, just didn't feel hungry for some reason. So, uh, I'm ready to talk about food. I don't know about you. Uh, let's see. Let's see. What are we going to talk about? How about some appetizers? Some appetizers that are going to feature oysters, right? Oysters. Uh, we're going to feature oysters today on these appetizers. They are delicious, by the way. I'm just going to give you a couple. And uh, one of them could actually be a main meal, a main dish, or an appetizer. I'm going to save that one for last. But... Um, 
Uh, one of these, by the way, one of them I have already shared on In Between Sundays. So if you have listened to episode 29, I apologize, uh, but I, it's just so good. I wanted to share it here. Uh, all these recipes, by the way, will be posted over at catholicfoodie.com. I love oysters. Oysters are so good. Um, let me see. What are we going to talk about first? Oh, one of these things that is like the best, best way I've had oysters. Unbelievable. It is just so delicious. Uh, it, it's um, char-grilled oysters. Char-grilled oysters. And I'm not saying it's my favorite just because char is in the name, right? Like my wife, char, char-grilled oysters. Uh, what you do is you take oysters on the half shell. And this is how we do it. Uh, I don't know how you get oysters over there where you live, but the way we do it, uh, you know, you can get them. You can get a sack of oysters, big old sack of oysters that is... Um, uh, is is there unshucked oysters? You just you just bring that sack home, put it on ice, and you can go in there and shuck them. You know, shuck them yourself, and 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 put some some delicious cocktail sauce on there. Have some crackers handy, and just just eat them right out of the shell. We do that, but uh, what else you can do? You can buy uh, some some oyster shells or save them. You can you can save them from a previous time when you've had them. And then when you go out to buy oysters, instead of buying a big old sack, you can buy some that are pre-shucked. They come in a big bucket, and uh, with with all the uh, what do they call it? The liquor, right? They call it the oyster liquor. Uh, very salty kind of a thing. And you you just buy that bucket. You bring it home, and so you don't have to go shucking all the oysters. This is this is really. When you want to have oysters that you're going to cook with, that's that's how you do this. You, you would buy the 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 uh, the already shucked in the bucket with the oyster liquor. You'd buy that and use those oysters to cook with. So, what you could do is you have some some shells already, or you can buy I don't know six twelve uh, unshucked oysters, shuck them at the house, and so you have shells to use. Now we have also I have to tell you this: we have also done this with uh, like a muffin pan. You know, you have a muffin pan, you make muffins in, you can do the same thing here. Uh, matter of fact, if you use a muffin pan, you could actually do more than one oyster at a time in each of the little little cups. So what you do is uh, you make a sauce first. You take butter, lots of yummy butter, and lots of garlic. You mince the garlic up, and you're going to heat this on in like a saucepan on the stove. You're making a butter-garlic sauce, and it's... it's Whoo-wee, that's good stuff. And sometimes what we do, I say sometimes, really pretty much quite often, <laughs> we'll, we'll take some Tabasco or Crystal hot sauce and, and, and stick that into uh, the butter-garlic sauce. And, ooh, you talk about good. It's got a kick to it. It is just so good. And you, you uh, heat the grill up. you got to heat your grill up. Uh, it's got to be done outside. Uh, heat the grill up. You take your uh, your oyster, either your oyster shells, empty oyster shells, or your pan, and you stick it out there on the grill. Let that heat up a bit. And then what you're going to do is you're going to put some of that uh, that sauce there in the bottom. Uh, or if, you have, if you're doing oysters just the way they are, then the oyster already has the liquor there inside the shell. So you don't have to add anything. You add a little bit of that sauce. You put the oysters in, and then you add some more of that sauce on top. And you let it cook for three to five minutes. What you want to do, you want to kind of like um, uh, wait until the, the oyster kind of kind of gets uh, it, it it kind of curls up, right? It's cooking uh, the oyster th- through and through. So about three to five minutes, you do that, and then you go back and you sprinkle some uh, uh, grated Parmesan cheese on top, preferably fresh grated Parmesan cheese, along with some uh, some parsley, chopped parsley. And you pull them from the grill, and you know what we do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, this is like confession, I guess. I'm, I tell you what we do. Uh, this is, by the way, as an appetizer. If you're gonna serve these things, this is not what you're gonna do. But what we do, because we're impatient and we lo- we just love these things so much, we'll have our little oyster fork, you know, our little uh, seafood uh, lobster or oyster fork. And we'll stand out there at the grill, and while these things are cooking, and when they're done, we just stick them with the fork and 
eat them right there. You know, we stand at the grill, and you know, usually it's in the wintertime, so it's kind of chilly, and we got the grill going. It keeps you warm, and we just eat the oysters right there out of the shell or out of the, uh, <laughs> out of the, the muffin pan. But you can do this, and um, oh, it's just best that way. Or you can have little, little dishes, little... Uh, uh, little glass bowls, maybe that you can put the oysters in there with a little little bit of the sauce, and you can serve them that way. Uh, really good stuff. So I'd recommend these char grilled oysters for sure. And now I think I'm only going to give you one more today, just because of the time. I want to get to our interview for the day. Uh, but another one is uh, seafood gumbo. And seafood gumbo, by the way, can be either a main dish or it can be served as an appetizer. And uh, Char and I had a seafood gumbo probably two years ago now that her cousin made. And I'm telling you, I have never in my life had a seafood gumbo like this. It, it, was, it was so full of seafood, and it was so flavorful, and it had just such a, a – a, I mean just the, 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 the juice of it, the, uh, the, the, the liquid of the gumbo was so rich and uh, kind of creamy, almost buttery. It was just so – Good, and come to find out, her cousin had used this recipe from a cookbook that she got at Williams Sonoma. And if you're on Ustream right now, you can see this cookbook. It is called uh, Williams Sonoma New Orleans Authentic Recipes Celebrating the Foods of the World. I guess that's a, it's a series, and this is New Orleans Williams Sonoma New Orleans. You talk about incredible. Char and I have made this, by the way, since then, and it came out so so good. Um, seafood gumbo, just to give you a heads up, is not cheap. Uh, chicken and andouille gumbo is not expensive at all to make, but a uh, a seafood gumbo. Oh, my goodness. If you're going to do it right, and if you're going to do one at all, you might as well do it right. If you're going to do it right, you got to put a lot of seafood in there. So uh, very important, right? You don't want to skimp on the seafood, and seafood is not cheap. Um, even down here. I mean, uh, it, it's more expensive in certain places where they have to ship it because they don't have, uh, like, the Gulf right here or, or a thousand and one rivers running all over the place in Louisiana. Uh, but it's still not cheap here either. So uh, what you're going to do, if you, if you listen to uh, the episode where I talked about the chicken and andouille uh, gumbo, and I talked about making a chicken stock. Actually, I was not chicken. It was turkey. I talked about the turkey gumbo. Uh, and I, I talked about making the turkey stock. You're going to do the same thing here, except the stock is going to be made with shrimp heads and the shrimp shells. You know, you're going to have about two pounds of shrimp um, or more or more. Two pounds of shrimp or more uh, with the heads attached. So they're, they're not peeled. It's just the whole shrimp. And you take the uh, – you, 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 you peel them and save all the peels. You save this, the, the shell and you save the head. And what you do is you take your stock pot and you put the water in there and you put the, the heads and the shells in there along with um, – yeah, yeah, I do maybe a couple. This, this recipe here in the book says to use one. I use probably two or three. Uh, yellow onions, yeah, I quarter them and just throw them into the pot. I put some salt in there and some pepper. Um, I put uh, three, four ribs of celery in there. Just, just like uh, I cut them into thirds, throw them in. You don't remember. You, you're not going to be using these veggies. I use the onions, but everything else gets thrown out. Uh, I'll probably put um, a quarter, like a bell pepper or two, and throw that into the uh, into the stock as well. And you're going and, and I'd add some bay leaves, maybe two, three bay leaves depending on how big the stock pot is. And uh, I think that's it. Salt, pepper, oh, garlic. I can't forget the garlic. Goodness gracious, Catholic foodie for getting garlic. Anyway, put garlic in there. And I don't know, maybe, let's see, maybe I just slice it or chop it roughly and put five, six cloves in there. That's just me, though. And you cook it down for about an hour, two hours, probably about two hours. Uh, you bring it to a boil, then you let it simmer for about an hour and a half, two hours, I guess. Uh, and then you strain it, and you strain all that stuff out. You keep the liquid, and uh, you're going to use that for the liquid of the gumbo. Uh, and sometimes I wind up with the gumbo. I have to add more liquid. I'll add more water, and I'll, uh, just it just depends because you want to cook the gumbo down as well. So you got to kind of eyeball it and see what you like to do. But the gumbo itself, listen to this. Uh, these ingredients. You got two two yellow onions, and please keep in mind I, I am heavy handed with this stuff, so I probably add like three. 
or more, two yellow onions, two celery stalks, uh, green bell pepper. I would probably double all those, by the way. Three pounds of tomatoes. Now, I have to say this. Uh, with the tomatoes, I would normally use like canned tomatoes because that's the, the stuff that's most easily obtained here. Uh, I could do whole tomatoes, but um, I, I don't know. Oftentimes, if I do this, it's going to be canned tomatoes, like stewed tomatoes or something like that, but just not Italian style, right? If you're going to do canned tomatoes, do not do Italian style. Just do regular stewed tomatoes, preferably whole, uh, but you could add uh, dice as well. This It's just up to you. Up to you. Uh, this, thing, this recipe calls for a pound of okra, and I'm going to tell you up front, I do not like okra. Uh, it's slimy. That's why I don't like it. It is slimy, and I know that's probably going to get me in trouble with a lot of Louisianians listening to this. But I don't care. I don't like okra. Um, a lot of people do. They, matter of fact, they have an okra gumbo, you know. I just, I just don't like it, but it calls for a pound of okra. Uh, Pam is on Ustream right now, and she's, she can't believe I just said what I said. <laughs> I'm sorry, Pam. I, 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 just, uh, I just can't stand it. Anyway, um, see, you got, oh, you have to have your vegetable oil and your, uh, your, your flour. I use a cup of each. In order to make your roux, that's what you got to start a gumbo, right? First, you make a roux. You got to do that. So that's what I would use. Also, some garlic. Uh, I'd, once again, probably five or six cloves of garlic for me. Uh, this calls for dried thyme, which uh, give or take. I don't know if I'd use that or not. We, we, I don't know. Cayenne pepper for sure. Three bay leaves. Yep. Uh, sea salt and black pepper. Fresh cracked black black pepper. Yes. Uh, green onions. Yes, green onions. Throw those things in there. And also extra green onions because you want to use that as a garnish or as a topping for the, uh, the, uh, the gumbo. Uh, you, want, you want a pound. It's calling for a pound of lump crab meat, which is not cheap. Good, good stuff, though. Lump crab meat. Uh, also 12 oysters shucked uh, with their liquor. With the liquor. And uh, steamed white rice for serving. And also, don't forget, you made that stock with uh, uh, shrimp shells, right? Well, you're going to put the shrimp in there as well. But I have to tell you, I have to tell you, it's a great recipe. It's wonderful. But there are a couple things I would do differently. Uh, To the roux, I would probably also add some butter. Shh, don't tell anybody that. But I would probably add some butter. Because butter gives it a creaminess that you just can't get any other way. So add some butter. I would also just increase the the proportions of the seafood uh, for sure. So that's kind of like the basic seafood gumbo ingredients. I will put the recipe on the website, catholicfoodie.com. Be sure to check that out. It's also going to appear over at sqpn.com. So please go check that out. And now, without further ado, I want to to share with you this interview I had the other day with Marshall Cook. Oh my goodness, it's just it's incredible. Let me let me uh, let me show you on UStream. If you're on UStream, you see this right now. This is the book, uh, Time Management: A Catholic Approach. Fantastic book, and you're going to hear Marshall and I discussing this book for the next uh, probably twenty to 25 minutes. He's also got a workbook that goes with that, the Time Management Workbook, A Catholic Approach. Awesome stuff. I am working through this myself, by the way. I have a copy. I'm working uh, through this myself. I hope to get better when it comes to time management. And, by the way, got to let you guys know up front, I got to let you know up front, I have an extra copy of both the book and the workbook that can be yours, can be yours, uh, if you participate in the new contest. I've got a contest. I'm going to announce the details of that contest after the interview. And uh, so stick around. You could be the lucky winner of a copy of the book that you're about to hear about right now. Well, I am very uh, happy to introduce to you uh, an author, a Catholic author who has written a book that maybe at first glance doesn't seem to have too much to do with uh, the Catholic foodie, but I think differently. I think it really does. And uh, his name is Marshall Cook. So welcome, Marshall. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, you know, for, for us people, just in general out there, listeners who maybe don't know who you are, you want to maybe introduce yourself? Well, I, I'm, I ain't famous, that's for sure. I've written a lot of books. <laughs> I'm a, a writing teacher here at the 
University in Madison, Wisconsin, where it snows a lot, even this time of year. And I'm a, I'm a Catholic. I'm a convert for the last 34 years or so. And I got a couple of little doggies and a couple of Persian cats. And I love baseball. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, now, the book that we're going to talk about tonight is called Time Management, A Catholic Approach. Uh, why, why a Catholic approach? What, is, what, is the, uh, what does that have to do with time management? Well, I think time management affects everybody, and, and I've written, well, I, I know it does. I mean, we all, we all live in time, and we all struggle to try to find time to do everything we want or need to. The, the Catholic part of it, I'd actually written several time management books for the quote-unquote secular market, but it was, it was very liberating to be able to really base it around my faith which is, is, you know, I try try to base my life around that, so it makes sense that, um, for me, time management, stress management, how I try to approach each day is centered on my Catholic faith. So it it was very liberating to be able to write a book from that perspective. I'm really, I was really impressed by the title. I was intrigued, and I thought, you know what, I mean, I, I need time management, I need to learn <laughs> better time management. And I thought uh, it really attracted me. You know, it gives me something that could be practical in my own life, but at the same time, it's taking into account my my faith, my spirituality. And uh, so I, I reached out and grabbed your book, and I love it. Uh, now, you, you, oh, mentioned, I'm glad. you mentioned in the book, uh, you kind of break it up into two sections, and uh, one has to deal with uh, uh, Kairos time, and then the other... Yeah. Is is Chronos time? Is that right? Right, right, right. And what what's the difference between those two? Those are actually Greek words. Both both of them translate as time, but they mean a couple of very different things. Chronos time would be the kind of time that we deal with all the time. It's 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 you know the way we divide things up into minutes and hours and days and the way we schedule ourselves and go by the calendar and, you know, just, just our way of organizing life. And, and the other is the more a sense of God's time and doing things in the fullness of time or in the rightness of time. In other words, when, when it's right, when God wants it, um, we're propelled forward. And, and I, I get the sense that we get all caught, caught up in Chronos time and really really, um, you know, pretty swept away by it, and we can lose sight sometimes of, of the really bigger picture, and we can kind of forget that we made up all this stuff with minutes and seconds and hours that that, that didn't come from God. That's just a way of, of our organizing um, our lives so we can, uh, you know, get places at the same time other people are getting there and that kind of thing. Right, right. And, and it's, yeah, I found that fascinating, uh, the the way that you talked about uh, Cairo's time and how it kind of plays into uh, into the the decisions that we make in our daily lives, um, how some things are important and you have to deal with that, but oftentimes we get so busy in our lives that that we just miss it. Yeah, a fellow named Stephen Covey, who was one of the guys that I I read a lot when I was, you know, I, when I started out exploring time management, it was because I needed it. So I was just reading everybody and trying to apply things to my own life. And he made the distinction that there are things in life that are both urgent and important. And those are the things that are just fundamental to us. You know, if if a child of ours is in need or a parent is in need or, um, you know, we, we see someone being mistreated or something, that takes precedent over anything we've got scheduled. That's important and urgent but he he made the point that we get caught up in stuff that's urgent, but not necessarily important, which sounds like a, an impossibility. But it means things that just have to be done right away, and there's time pressure, and there's little alarms going off, and there's people waiting for us. But in the great scheme of things, they really aren't all that important. Meaning they don't really touch our core values and. The things that, you know, when we look back on a day or a week or even a life and kind of sum things up, we say these are the things that matter. Right. That, that, that's kind of my experience. I, I had to chuckle when I was reading through that because 
I've always used the expression uh, putting out fires. I feel like I just go from one fire yeah, to the other, yeah. putting out fires. Uh, but what and it seems like there's somebody walking ahead of you starting them, doesn't it? That's right. <laughs> it does feel that way. And then, of course, you know, when you have little kids too running around the house, that's they always light a fire here and there as well. Um, yeah, sometimes literally. Yeah. <laughs> we have the the Advent candles now, the uh, the Advent wreath on our table, and we try to uh, to do a a short reflection and a little prayer before meals every dinner. And you wouldn't believe the fighting that goes on over who gets to light the candle and who gets to blow the candle out. I mean, it's you know it's scary, and that's supposed oh, to be a prayerful a thing, you know. Though. It is, it is. That, that's one of those little things that I think kids will remember and, you know, later on want to incorporate into their own family life. And, you know, that that's something that makes it Advent and not just uh, another day. That's right. It's the traditions. It's the, the, the little things, I think, that in the long run uh, become the, the big things, the important things. They really do. And then, and those those kind of things... You know, that's something extra that you're doing now, and, and that doesn't take a whole lot of time. But sometimes, you know, these, these spiritual activities, particularly at a time like Advent or a time like Lent, where we're, we're trying to do something extra and really intensify our, our spiritual lives, um, they, obviously they take extra time. And, and one of the points I want to make in the book is that if, if you're trying to, say, um, work a half an hour of scripture study, say, into your day, um, you're going to have to take that time from someplace else. You know, the day won't expand, uh, and other things won't just go away, and I really advocate making a conscious choice, you know, deciding, okay, if I'm going to spend a half hour doing this, what am I not going to do um, that I normally do during the day? And by making a conscious decision and kind of making a trade, we don't just let it go by default, because if we don't make a conscious trade, um, we'll miss sleep, maybe. We, we won't have as much time with our families. We, we won't make that phone call to a friend, those sorts of, sorts of things, because those are the things that are important but not urgent. You know, they, they don't care. It's like, um, like exercise, you know. Everybody knows now we've all been, been told a million times that we should incorporate exercise into our lives. But it's the kind of thing we think about and we think, yeah, that's important, but not right now because i got to do this and this and the other thing. Right. You know, so it's important but not urgent. So we really need to make time um, for the stuff that, that's important that we're neglecting now. Right. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, it's true. It's Those kind of decisions oftentimes, the results are, are, uh, are by default. I mean, I can tell you yeah. it, what you just said was it makes so much sense. And it, is, it should be very obvious, but it never really enters my mind. You know, I never really think about it. it is. This, this is, you know, I'm no Einstein here. It, it, it's common sense. I just had to, to think about it and write it down and, and organize a little bit for myself and then, and then for other people, too. Yeah. So, and, and really, uh, the book is full of, of real of practical tips uh, in dealing with our lives. And you, you said something, I believe, about uh, time management. Is it really about managing time uh, or, or something to the effect that it's, it's really our, our lives? It's, it's um, living, living our lives. Am I getting that yeah, right? Yeah, it really is. There's, you know, we talk about time as if it were, you know, we, we even say time is money. And we talk about spending time and saving time and wasting time and spending quality time. I, I, I love that, you know, like you can schedule <laughs> quality time with your teenagers. You know, we, I got 17 minutes for you, son. We need to sit down and have a serious discussion. And, you know, any parent knows it doesn't work that way. Right. But we talk about it like a commodity, you know, like it's something we have and we can hang on to it or we can give it away. And, of course, it isn't. What we're talking about is living life moment by moment. Um, time is just a way to, to talk about it and measure it. It's like if you're six feet tall, you've got, what would that be, 72 inches of height, but you can't 
give those inches to somebody or <laughs> or store some of them someplace. You know, it's just a description of, right. of something that exists. <laughs> so we talk about time in a funny way, but but it's it's kind of like water to a fish. You know, it's what we're living in. It's what we're swimming in. Mm. Well, um, you know, all these practical tips that are in the book. Uh, are um, uh, I think invaluable. I mean, they're very, like I, as I said a minute ago. I mean, a lot of this stuff. It seems that it's very obvious, but I know I'm not alone. I mean, we just I think don't don't think about it. You know, we just don't think. about Yeah, it. and 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 some of them are really counterintuitive. In other words, they're they're not what you would um, just come upon if you weren't thinking about it. For for instance, one of the things that I strongly advocate that was so hard for me to do. Uh, you know, it's easy to say, and it's even easy to affirm and grab hold of and say, yeah, I believe that's a good idea, but doing it is tough. Mm-hmm. And that is, I advocate taking four vacations every day, okay, huh. not not waiting for the end of the day when the stress is already built up and it's 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 too hard to relax. I mean, you can't just consciously relax. It's like a muscle cramp. Right. Uh, and certainly not waiting for the weekend or for two weeks out of 52 for a vacation, I think four times a day, no matter what you're doing, you need to stop and just take a couple of minutes to be mindful, to to kind of put yourself in the presence of God, maybe reflect on a little bit of Scripture or just say a little prayer, or even just, just breathe deeply a few times, you know, because cause when, when we get to running, we start breathing very shallowly and, and makes us dizzy and we're not getting enough oxygen to the brain. I mean, it's really a big cause of stress. So just breathing, just, you know, relaxing your shoulders a little bit, uh, stretching, maybe get up and walk around a little bit if you've got a, a job where you're sitting down. Just a couple of minutes, four times a day, and it, it breaks the stress cycle and it breaks the kind of rising panic that can that can get us going when we're really running and we're behind and, you know, we've, we've got these six things weighing on us that we got to do. Um, we, we can really get to feeling out of control and feeling like we don't have choices, and we do. So, so I just, you know, in the beginning, I really had to force myself to do it. I've, I've been doing it for 15 years now, and it's, wow. it's second nature. I just automatically do it. But at first I had to post little notes and, you know, make my computer give me little reminders and stuff to to just breathe and and step back and and set the job down for a minute and step away from it and I found it made made a tremendous difference and I actually got more done although that that wasn't the point of it you you, you mentioned something earlier Jeff that that I don't want to let go by and that is that the point of all this isn't just to get more stuff done, mm-hmm. you know, and to cram more stuff into every hour. The point is to live what you consider to be a good life. Right. And for me, that's that's a rounded life. It's a spiritual-based life. It's uh, a life where I try to be mindful of other people and mindful of the Jesus in them and, and aware of, of my own self and... And what I need to be doing, it's it's a full life. It's a healthy life. It's not a life of maximum production all the time, because that's not good for us. Right. That doesn't work. Right. Well, it, it, you know, it's funny. You you say how how difficult that was to make that transition to the uh, four vacations. By the way, everybody loves to take a vacation, right? So that's a <laughs> that's like a good a so. good title. <laughs> Sometimes I just I just think about a vacation place where I've been. You know, I just I just put myself there for two minutes and try to experience it again in my mind. Now, now, do you schedule those times? Do you have like set times during the day that you do that, or is it just when I you did. feel like you? I did at first. I I had to schedule everything because I was so tightly wound. You know, I would have to to put on the on the calendar to to take a two minute break or to I'd have to schedule creativity time. Mm-hmm. You know, time mm-hmm. to just just take a break and think and don't let anything else intrude. You know, turn don't answer the phone, don't answer the email, just get 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 on your own. That kind of thing. Yeah, I had to schedule everything. Wow. But you were me. So. Uh, yeah, I think I would have to do the same thing to actually schedule out the simple. Uh, small um, uh, activities like that. I mean, just to be reminded that that in itself, because I know when I get busy, I don't remember 
anything. I, I, I'm just so focused on the, the things at hand. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's funny when you mentioned it, though. Um, it made me think of the Angelus, traditionally, the Angelus, being prayed mm-hmm. at uh, 6 a.m., noon, and then at 6 p.m. And I guess that's a a practice that really could uh, – you could kind of incorporate that that's um, uh, a way of stopping and acknowledging God's presence and and all that. And I love the Angelus, and I pray it whenever I could remember to. But I tell you what, oftentimes it's not a restful prayer. It is frust- not, not frustrating, but frantic, you know, like I'm, I'm still busy, but I want to pray the prayer. You know, it's not, not really stopping yeah, and, yeah. and breathing. It's, it's very hard to shift gears. I, I feel so bad sometimes because I, I'll just have, have prayed a rosary, and, and I'll think, yeah, but... I, I was someplace else, you know, I right. wasn't thinking about it, and I just have to kind of ask God, you know, well, please, you know I meant it, you know, even though maybe <laughs> my heart wasn't in all the words. But uh, that that kind of, of of disciplined approach to it can be really beautiful. And, and what I have found is if I schedule things, um, my my body and my mind and my spirit start to get into that habit, into that pattern, and then when I go to sit down and read a little scripture and quiet myself, or when I go to the computer and try to, to create something new, which is a whole lot harder than editing or researching or, or any of the other stuff, um, you know, it, it's kind of like the, the muse and, and the spirit and the focus kind of shows up on time. You can almost train it, but that takes a long time. It, right. it, it takes really regularity uh, of habit. And that apparently is good also for our sleep cycles and our digestion and exercise and all of that. If, if we tend to, to just be pretty regular in those habits, uh, it, it tends to be real healthy for us. At least that's what the research seems to indicate, and that, that seems to have been the case in my life, I know. Right. And and really, I guess you could say that uh, the whole concept there could be transferred to, say, like family life, and uh, uh, kind of like you, you would schedule certain things uh, with the family that would be, uh, I don't I guess, uh, non-work kind of a kind of stuff yeah. stress free where like yeah. for instance family dinners you know eating together in the evening uh which is supposed to be from all the studies that uh that are done by experts you know <laughs> uh it really brings people together it binds a family together to to eat together and it it offers a lot of uh benefits for the children as well uh as part of the family it and, really and, does they're, they're even finding jeff it it's it's amazing and i don't know what the causal tie might be but they're finding that it's it's a fairly accurate predictor of how kids will do later on in life you know what kind of lives they'll be living and even things like like uh, criminality and things like that if if you look back on a home where the family ate dinner together um it's and things like that it seems to make a lot of difference right. i mean i i think that's almost a sacrament you know the the notion of breaking bread together Absolutely. and and um little talk and you know, just just not doing anything else, just just being there. Absolutely, yeah. I've talked uh, quite a bit about the uh, uh, the connection uh, with eating and uh, scripture, where we get that in scripture, uh, and and sort of a sacramentality of creation kind of a thing. Uh, you know, yeah. also at the at the Catholic foodie, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly uh, encouraging families to eat together, to eat their meals together. You know, as much as possible. And a couple of episodes, I've I received a lot of feedback on these episodes when I, I, I talked about it a lot. And uh, some people were kind of, I don't want to say upset. They're not upset. They, they were just, um, they didn't understand how to make that happen in their own lives because they're so busy or, um, you know, the kids are busy because they all have their activities, you know, soccer in the afternoons or, you know, there's a thousand different uh, activities for, for teenagers to be involved in. Um, when you have a family, let's say, that uh, or parents who really want to incorporate, they're, they're having a hard time incorporating family meals. Are there any suggestions you might have as to how they can work together to, uh, uh, to make the family meal time a reality? That's a, that's a great question. And, and first of all, I think we've got to just, just all face the fact that, that you know, the ideal, 
if we're thinking about, you know, seven days a week, we're going to sit down at, at X time and have a meal together. Gosh, if you've got, got jobs and you've got teenage kids and you've got schedules and, and all of that, that isn't going to happen. So what you're shooting for is, you know, this is the norm. But, of course, there'll be exceptions. And and we need to be a little bit flexible about dinner doesn't always have to be at exactly the same time, and we'll make some, some provisions for what other people are doing. But I think as much as possible you get the, the kids involved in um, planning the whole thing, too. You know, like, like we think this is something really important. Um, how do you think we can go about making that happen? You know, what 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 has to happen in our lives for that to be for that to be a priority for us and that to be something that can happen. And, and you know, it certainly doesn't have to be hugely time-consuming. Uh, you know, we, we don't want to make it burdensome, if at all possible. And, and, and bottom line is I, I think it's important to model what you want. So if the, if the parents are accustomed to having the TV off and having the distractions off and maybe even turning the phone off for half an hour or something and sitting down together to eat. Um, even if the kids can't always be there, they know the parents are always going to be there or almost always, you know, when, when something doesn't conflict, it's unavoidable. Uh, and, and, and the pattern develops and they see the value in it. And, um, you know, if they're teenagers, there's going to be grumbling and there's going to be nights of sullen silence and, and all of that. But right. over the over the long haul, it's just a a nice pattern, and it's it's something that we hold to and remember with with great joy. I think later on. That's right. That's right. And it's uh, it's it's just I think when when people really start to experience what that's like, um, they want more. You know. Sure. Yeah, and, and, absolutely. Because it's a good thing. And all the things God tells us to do are are to have us have life in abundance and and to live well. Um, the the thing the thing for me that was the toughest, the thing that that triggered in my mind when you said that was this whole business of keeping holy the Sabbath. Uh-huh. Um, that was so hard for me for for years and years. I justified, um, you know, kind of a. a, a well, it was my interpretation of what that meant, and it certainly meant going to church, um, which I try to do on weekdays a lot too, and, and that's a want to, you know, that, right. that's that's not a have to. That's something for me because I get so much out of it. But um, yeah, it, it's a special day, and I'm going to read scripture, and I'm going to go to church, and but you know, there there's always a lot of work to be done, and and you know, there's going to be that time in the afternoon where I'm going to be at the computer working or I'm going to be doing the, the yard work that didn't get done on Saturday or, you know, and, and that was okay. But at one point several years ago, it just, it just got real heavy on my heart that maybe I should be taking that more literally, you know, like, no, really don't work on the Sabbath. Uh, and, and Jeff, that was so hard for me. When I started out, it was like I had fire ants under my skin. Mm, wow. you know, I'd, I'd think about all this stuff that I needed to be doing uh, and, and deadlines and all of this, and it, it was really agony. Um, but And it took a while. It, it took a while, but I guess God gave me the faith that, you know, this was a good thing to be doing. This is what I want you to be doing. Stick with it. Uh, and And just the, the richness and the blessing of it now i i don't know how i survived before wow. this is this is this is the day i look forward to most of all and it's not like i'm sitting around you know twiddling my thumbs uh i'm 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 active doing things mm-hmm. but i don't do work in the traditional sense i do all the maintenance stuff you know we still got to cook and right. clean up the dishes and take out the trash and clean up after the dogs and you know obviously the day to day stuff but but yeah, I don't I don't do my writing on Sunday. I don't uh, I I just don't do that stuff. Wow. I mean, I, and all of a sudden now, when something does come up, you know, a, a, a neighbor needs to talk or something, or a, a family member wants to do something that wasn't wasn't something that I had in mind. They're no longer interrupting me, you know, because because I don't have an agenda. I don't have a big fat schedule for that day anyway, so it's okay. Yeah. And that's 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 been so liberating. It's even 
lapsed over a little bit into how I act during the week. I'm not quite so, you know, hyper guy like I used to be. <laughs> well, I tell you, that's uh, it's interesting to hear you say that because I've had this uh, this this thought, this idea, kind of. Uh, kind of, I don't know what, how to say this, kind of poking at me, you know, my conscience, like, uh, you know, you do too much on the Sabbath, you do too much on Sunday. And I mean, part of that, yeah. I, I, I work for the church as well, so some of my, I do have to do some work uh, most Sundays, uh, Sunday evenings, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm, I record my show typically on Sundays, and I do that because the rest of the week is just so busy Sunday was a convenient day to do it, but I tell you, that yeah. especially the last few weeks, I've been thinking, you know, I might have to change this. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear you well, say it and, and to talk about the blessings of, uh, of really kind of keeping the Sabbath. But do know that that, that kind of change is, is very difficult and very stressful, and it's not going to feel right, you know, because you're breaking habit patterns, among other things, and they're... We never do really erase them. We just kind of override them, you know. We right. put a new one on top of them, but they're always there. Um, it, it, it's difficult to do. I, I, I advise people when they're really trying to make any kind of a life change, you know, even just incorporating 15 minutes of prayer first thing in the morning or something, to give yourself several weeks at it before you even try to judge whether it's it's any good or not, you know, whether it's helping or hurting. Uh, give it. I'd I'd say at least three weeks minimum, uh, and just keep doing it on faith. You know, I'm I'm going to keep trying this. I'm going to keep living this as if I believed it was a good thing to be doing. And then after after a few weeks, after a month, after um, six weeks, then I'll I'll step back and I'll say, is this a good thing or a bad thing for me? Right. Is this is this helping me or is it just one more onerous burden that I that I hurry <laughs> through to get to the next thing? Um, and and some of the stuff you know some of the stuff I suggest in the book it, it it's not going to help you it, it's because it's not right for you right uh, and some of it you might want to adapt and change and and you know conform to your own life and some of it might you know there might be a couple of things in there that are just the very thing you've been needing to hear but it's very personal it's very subjective and, and my my idea is just pay attention to the feedback that your body and your heart are giving you and. Um, try stuff out and and see how it works and give it a give it a good enough chance, give it a good enough trial, and then God'll let you know if that's what you're supposed to be doing. you know you'll begin feeling those blessings and that sense of rightness it's It's not a sense that you're necessarily happy it's it's but you know it's that sense yeah. of rightness it's that sense of this is what I'm supposed to be doing now, wow. even if it's hard, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and nothing feels better than that. That's right. You feel like you're you're in the right place and with you're right yeah. with God. So, well, that it's, yeah. uh, that's it's beautiful. It's challenging. I mean, the whole message yes, of the yes, of the is. book. I mean, I took it. Uh, the, the, I love the book, and it it challenges me a lot because I, I think I'm probably where you were 15 years ago. Um, I'm looking at it because I know I need it. You know, so it's. Uh, it's a daily thing, and it's it's got to be done with prayer. And I'm so glad that I came across uh, time management, a Catholic approach. And um, where where can where's the book available? Where could uh, someone pick up a copy of Time Management, a Catholic approach? Well, you could get it all the all the standard places. You could get it on Amazon, that sort of thing. You could go right to the the website of the publisher. Uh, it's www. Pauline, P-A-U-L-I-N-E, dot org. Um, you could, um, just, you know, if you go to your bookstore, particularly if it's a Christian bookstore, and ask them for it, they'll they'll be able to order it. Okay. And I actually, uh, as a surprise for our listeners, I actually have a copy to give away. I've got an extra copy. So I will give uh, more details about that in, in a bit later in the show. Uh, but Marshall, I want to thank you so much for being with us. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say? Just that um, if anybody wants to to contact me, they can do that quite easily through the publisher and through that website. Um, if you're trying stuff out or if you've got any questions or reflections or anything, I'd I'd be more than happy to to email or chat with you on the phone and 
um, you know, all I can do is give you my experience, but if I can help anybody out, that'd be great. Well, thank you so much. I know, uh, I appreciate that. And, um, I think that our listeners appreciate that too. I mean, that's, that's a, a very personal thing that to, to offer to help like that. And I, um, I want to thank you again so much, Marshall, for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me, Jeff. It's been a joy. And God bless you. God bless you. I, I w- I'm just so happy that, uh, we were able to have Marshall on the show. I'm very excited about that. And I also am very excited that I have extra books. I've got two books. Uh, well, actually, it's, it's a set, right? One set, the, uh, the book itself and the workbook. So I have a copy of those to give away to some lucky individual. Uh, and what do you have to do? What is the contest all about? What do you have to do? Well, sometime tonight or tomorrow... Uh, this particular episode will be posted over at catholicfoodie.com and also at sqpn.com. All you have to do is go there and make a comment or leave a comment on this post. And you can do that either at catholicfoodie.com or at sqpn.com. So that's all you have to do. And next week, I will pick the lucky winner. And I think I'm going to use the... uh, random, what is it called, the random number generator, something like that. Uh, I will number all of the uh, the comments, all the people who sent in comments, and then go ahead and, and choose a random number with a computer program to find out who the lucky winner is. So, uh, tonight or tomorrow, go to catholicfoodie.com or sqpn and leave a comment there on the post about time management, a Catholic approach. And if you're interested in purchasing a copy of this book, I know it is also available at the Catholic Company, uh, catholiccompany.com. And I will leave a, uh, a link, once again, in the post here uh, at the Catholic Foodie, at catholicfoodie.com. I'll leave a, a link there in the post for the Catholic Company. Now, as we uh, close out the show, I do want to remind you that SQPN is now uh, in the middle of its giving campaign, its annual giving campaign. SQPN is the preeminent Catholic media, online media uh, entity. It is a nonprofit. It, it functions, it lives, it, it sustains itself solely on donations. Uh, and we need your help. We need your help. Uh, SQPN needs the funds in order to operate for another year uh, and to continue to produce all the excellent Catholic content that you'll find there. Uh, if you're not familiar with SQPN, go over there to sqpn.com and check out all the wonderful pod, uh, podcasts and Catholic content that's there. It's available for free. Uh, so if you haven't given anything yet, if you haven't given anything yet, you, you, you benefit from SQPN, from the wonderful podcast that you listen to, whether it's Breakfast with Father Roderick, Catholic Moments with Lisa Hendy, um, the same cast with Paul Camerata. I mean, there's just so many, right? Catholic Under the Hood with... Uh, with Father Seraphim, uh, in, in between Sundays, right, with uh, Nick and Pat, Catholic Foodie, uh, Mac and Catherine over there, Catholic in a Small Town, just so many excellent Catholic podcasts out there. Uh, if you benefit listening to these things, go over to SQPN. You can leave a one-time donation. Uh, I, I left a donation just the other day. You can do a monthly donation. Uh, whatever you want to give, you can do that. Uh, and it's all done through PayPal. You can use a PayPal account. You can use a reg- regular credit card. Whatever you have, whatever you'd like to do. And uh, I just want to tell you this, though. I-, I didn't mention this last episode, but we, the podcasters, we don't get any of this money. This is not for us. right? If you, if you make a donation to SQPN, it's not for the Catholic foodie. I don't get anything. Uh, this is to run the network. This is to run uh, SQPN for another year. And uh, we need your help. I think we're uh, about 15% uh, into, uh, like, like having raised 15% of what we actually need. Uh, so we need your help. If you haven't gone, please go over and do that. You can consider this really like a Christmas gift, a Christmas gift, something that you can give to somebody else this year. You will help SQPN to continue to reach other people, many, many, many people all across the world to uh, to, to, to get Excellent Catholic content. So you'll be helping really to spread the good news. Uh, so that may be, it, it is a worthy, it is a worthy uh, way to contribute. 
a worthy cause to support. So please consider going over there to sqpn.com. You can look up. I believe it's in the right-hand corner of the screen. There is a donate button. Just click on that. You go over. Once again, uh, you can use PayPal if you're in pay- on PayPal, or you can, uh, you can use a credit card. Whichever way you want to give, however much you want to give, whatever it is, $2. If you can do $2, that's great. That's awesome. But any amount you can give, it's much appreciated. SQPN needs the help. Uh, We want to continue to give you, to produce for you, excellent Catholic content. SQPN.com. Well, that wraps it up for us, folks. Thank you so much for being here. It has been a pleasure. It has been a joy. Don't forget the contest. You can go over to catholicfoodie.com or sqpn.com sometime between today and tomorrow, and you can leave a comment on this post, the post for this episode, with the interview with Marshall Cook. And uh, you could win a copy of the book and the workbook. So don't forget that. And uh, once again, it's just been such a, such a joy for me. I'm so glad that you were here. And until next time, bon appétit. Catholic New Media.